so we talk a lot about EVs on this show, obviously, for, for obvious reasons. But the infrastructure is, is, to me, maybe more interesting than the production as of this moment. Because, again, I've talked about it a lot. It almost feels like a chicken or the egg, right? Do you need the infrastructure first or do you need the cars first? And, and I, I, it's probably both. I mean, you, you need to work in tandem in order to make this thing really take off the way that automakers and even the federal government wants it to take off. But, you know, it's funny. It's National Apprenticeship Week. We talked to Donna Pardonet, uh earlier this week. And we need, we need skilled trades across the board but certainly electrical workers. And we need electrical workers that are specifically designated or trained to work on chargers because as more charging stations pop up uh, around, you know, Metro Detroit or the state or the country, you need people that are able to work on, on these particular uh, units. And right now, there aren't enough people certified to fix them if they are out, which in some cases, you pull up to a charger, you need some juice, and it, it doesn't even work. It's out of order. So there is a huge kind of break in what is happening and then what needs to happen. Jennifer Mefford's the national co-chair of the Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Training Program and joins us. Uh, Jen, good to talk with you. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me. It, we talk a lot about infrastructure and the, the need to have a robust, readily available system of chargers across the country and certainly here in the state of Michigan. How big of an issue is it um, that more and more chargers maybe are on the fritz and you pull up to one, you can't charge it? And, and there's a there's just a sheer lack of people that can work on them. Yeah, so I think we're all kind of seeing those headlines about, um, you know, about 20% of the time you're coming up to a charging station uh, in the public spaces that it's not functioning. Most of the issues with that charging infrastructure are around communication protocols. Remember, they're typically software connected. Could be a card reader issue, again, uh, an internet connection or a software connection. Um, every once in a while, it's a cord set issue, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the kinds of things that, you know, I think make an opportunity from a workforce development standpoint for folks that are just kind of assessing and triaging what's happening with that. That's not electrical in nature. Mm. As long as they're tied with electricians, that can actually do the work on that equipment. Because, again, live energized equipment, right? Sure. So I'm kind of seeing both things. In Michigan, you, we actually are pretty ahead of the curve, and I, curve, and I think it's because you know, we've been able to work with the automakers here in Michigan for a long time as the products were coming into production about what that infrastructure workforce needed to look like. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of licensed electricians in Michigan that do have specialty EV charging station training. And I think we're doing okay. Of course, we're going to need more. There's a lot more infrastructure coming. And another pathway, though, we do need folks that can support those electricians with assessing what's happening with that charging station and be connected. So you, you've talked to us a, a, a number of times about the jobs that come with this type of transition. Does this fall under that umbrella? Or, or could we see people that are dedicated to this type of work? Yeah, I think so. There's a Michigan-based company that just recently launched called Skill Fusion, And I'm excited about Skill Fusion for a couple of reasons. Um, I like the fact that the folks behind SkillFusion, certainly it's a training company, but they're all from the industry. They're out of automotive and mobility and EV charging and the EV industry as a whole. So I think they have a pretty interesting lens 
with which to view workforce development. So they've launched a program for kind of this entry, entry level, non-electrical in nature, but to bring folks in that can help shore up this service and maintenance assessment role. So I'm excited to see them grow here and around the country um, and to really look at how they're going to connect this work-ready workforce that goes through their training to this existing network of electricians. That's a key point. Um, you know, the OEMs, EVSC manufacturers, uh, anybody with charging infrastructure in their facility want to know that they're tapping into a network of people who are ready to go um, that have enough information to fix a problem. And I think Skill Fusion's on the right track with this. I'm very excited to see where they grow. Are there other companies like Skill Fusion that are popping up? There are lots of different EV-related training programs popping up um, really all over the country. And, mm. and my purview takes me to all, all the states in the nation. Um, some really interesting programs. I think one of the differences with Skill Fusion that I think we'll see the market move towards is this work-ready connectivity that's sure. connecting electricians that need to work on that energized equipment with folks that can assess what's going on because they do fit together. And that's the best possible solution to make sure that everything is safe and everything is operational. Well, and, you know, this is just another it, it, it's it's as we continue on down this road, no pun intended, there there are things that pop up where you say, well, huh, you're, you're going to need instead of, you know, mechanics that are working on ICE vehicles, you're going to need those outlets for for electric vehicles, too. And just like right. when you go to the gas station, those pumps are down sometimes. They got the yellow uh, caution bag around the pump, and you can't you can't use that that particular uh, unit. You're going to need people that are that are trained in this, that know how to identify or troubleshoot what the issues are, um, whether it's a card reader issue or something internally that that's more serious right. that needs to be addressed. Um, I, I think it's I think it's great that uh, places like Skill Fusion are are there and kind of looking forward to that next step as being a real necessity. Yeah, so I was at QueerQuest yesterday with 8,000 uh, students between the uh, grades 7 through 12, which is this amazing hands-on career exploration event. And I can't tell you how excited those students were about the Mach-E that we had set up there, all the charging infrastructure, great questions, very much. It's so interesting generationally to see how open they are to electrified mobility. Sure. It was very cool. Well, I, I again, I, I think it's a... It, it, on the surface, it's a very cool technology. It's a very cool way of of looking at vehicles, and and it doesn't surprise me that a younger generation is taking to it. Yeah. Uh, very interesting stuff, Jennifer Mefford. Thank you so much. Always appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. All right, we'll talk again very soon. Um, in the meantime, some breaking news uh, out of San Francisco: a jury has convicted the man who broke into former U.S. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's house. Uh, in an attempt to hold hostage and attack her husband with a hammer, has been convicted on federal charges of attempted kidnapping and assault. Uh, the jury deliberated for about eight hours before finding David DePap guilty of attempted kidnapping on a federal official and an assault on the immediate family member of a federal official. He now faces 50 years in prison. This was one of the more bizarre stories that I can remember where a guy walks in uh, up up to a house, you know, knocks on the door and and, uh, you know, walks into this guy's house. And, and then Paul Pelosi, who's uh, 82 years old, 
calls police very calmly. Say, oh, there's some guy here. I don't know what he's doing here. He's looking for my wife. And police got there, and, and the guy's got a hammer. Paul Pelosi, wasn't Paul Pelosi, like, in his underwear or something? I mean, it was in the middle of the night. I think the guy was trying to sleep. And, um, yeah, it was a very weird story. So I'm not entirely surprised that that this guy uh, uh, got convicted. All right, want to fit a quick call in here real quick. Let's go to Edward in Lincoln Park. Hello, Edward. Hey, Chris. Happy hey. birthday. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say... Um, you, you got to know your your history and what makes your country great. You know, instead of replaying O'Sullivan's Laden's letter, what we need to replay is an editorial by a Canadian journalist, Byron McGregor, mm-hmm. to the rest of the world about the Americans. That to explains how the Americans interact with the rest of the world in times of trouble and times of need and not listen to this crap from people who are trying to attack us. Well, I just it, it's just interesting to me, again, of the perspective of a group of people that are clearly they're, they're clearly uninformed and that's OK to be uninformed. But to speak with the conviction that they do is something else. Uh, Eddie, appreciate the call. Uh, we got to take a breakage caught up on some other news making headlines. Also, big movement in the ratification process with the GM and the UAW deal. That's next.